Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to Three Firm Fairways to Set Boundaries in Therapy. Ensure your own needs will be met with these ground rules. Hi, Mark. Have you got a minute? And this was a client phoning me up, and the voice on the phone was friendly but somehow insistent. Paul was a client who'd taken to calling me every other day. And it was now Sunday morning, a time for reading the papers, you know, walking the dog, well, if I had one, you know, messing around with the family and, and the rest of it. But not for me, apparently. A flood of anxieties came down the line at me, and in less than a minute, my brain felt it had been whipped around in a wind tunnel of neediness from this client. So I said, okay, Paul, I hear what you're saying. We'll take a look at all of that and work out that's what's to be done. And we'll talk about that tomorrow during your actual session. And he let me go. And that was 20 years ago. And I was just starting to learn how to set boundaries with my therapy clients. And it can be tricky at first. You know, you're a decent, nice person. And some of your clients really do need help. And empathy and wanting to help people is what brought you into this work in the first place. And it can feel uh, tough to be cruel, to be kind sometimes, especially at first if you're new to doing therapy. Here are three tips I find useful to practice when negotiating the therapeutic relationship. So tip number one, keep your gratitude in its proper boundaries. So back then I was a newly qualified therapist and I needed work. I was still at the stage of feeling amazed that a living, breathing person would actually pay me to help them. Paul would happily hand over £50, which was a lot of money to me back then, for his sessions. And I, and I would feel as if I now owed him something else, because just because he'd paid for the session he'd just had. So I, I made the elementary mistake of saying to him, you know, if you need to speak to me, you know where I am. Okay. At that point, my home phone line was also my work line. And he'd kind of inferred from what I'd said to him that he could all but move in with me as his 24-7 therapist. But that was crazy. And it was crazy of me, not him. I was charging a fair price for sessions of up to 90 minutes with him. 20 years ago, this was, or 25 years ago. And even if you did nothing other than give someone highly concentrated attention for an hour once a week, that's still worth a lot to them. Because few people ever get such a quality of attention. So even if I did, I'd done nothing else, it still would have been valuable to him. But I, I wasn't just listening to him, of course. I was also helping him relax at meetings and work, de-traumatizing some traumatic um, memories from his school days, uh, using an early form of the rewind technique, and also helping him relax sexually with his partner. Yet I still felt grateful he was handing over money to me and coming to see me. So remind yourself of all you're doing for your client so you don't feel you still owe them something in some way, whether that's in time or being on call uh, during the day and night. Tip two, be clear with yourself where your boundaries lie. So I hadn't really thought it all through with Paul. He was one of my very first clients, and I was still, as I said, very grateful to be seeing clients at all, you know. And Paul wanting to speak to me all the time between sessions only became a problem when I realized it was a problem. It's good to be generous with our clients, of course, but we also need to avoid coming to resent them as this will interfere with the therapy. 
that we're doing for them. So nowadays I'm very clear about certain things, such as when I can and can't be contacted. At the end of a first session, I might say something like, um, okay, so I'll see you next week. If, if I'll say that, if they've booked to actually see me next week, of course, if you need to contact me, here's my email address. If there's an emergency, they'll tell me via email and I can phone them if need be, but it's me phoning them. This is a much friendlier way of doing it than formally announcing before therapy even starts and when they might be feeling desperate, uh, what I will and won't accept, which I think is very off-putting for a client and rather unfriendly. Okay. Tip three, remain professional. So this might sound obvious, but because we're um, in the interpersonal helping profession, it's easy to forget sometimes that this is a profession. You know, we're not uh, just uh, a new friend of theirs. If you were employing the services of a lawyer, heaven forbid, I doubt you'd be able to have full access to them at all times, unless you were paying them a lot of money. Your dentist won't um, talk with you about toothbrush choices on Saturday night, and your local fire service personnel probably don't want to hear about the technical issues you're having with your new TV set. Okay, so we need to be kind and generous but we can best help our clients help themselves when they can respect that this is a professional relationship. And of course, they value you more if you're not always available. And we do this by drawing the line when it's necessary. Of course, we need to be friendly, but we are, we're not their friend, nor a substitute for a partner or family member. You are a professional just like any other. When your time with your client is clearly and specifically limited, then your client is more likely to really focus on the therapy itself uh, that they're getting from you, rather than thinking, oh, I'll call during the week to take that last point further. So eventually, I had to tell Paul that our time together was going to be limited to the actual session times. I resisted the urge to apologize about that. And he suggested he pay me uh, extra for any time on the phone with me. And I agreed that we could do this if he wanted to at specific set times, but he never did actually call me after that, although he continued seeing me for therapy. It was an important lesson for both of us, I think. Just because someone is paying you, it doesn't mean that you owe them infinitely in some way. When you feel properly respected within the therapeutic relationship, you genuinely have the uh, spare capacity to truly focus on the needs of your client without any low-level resentments polluting your therapy. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com. That's unk.com slash blog.